This is the Infinite Flow Show. The Infinite Flow Show. The Infinite Flow Show. The Infinite Flow Show. Where hip hop, the gospel, and sports intersect. On a narrow path to heaven Trying to make the bread leaven What you know about that? Gotta go and get it Gotta stay fully committed Homie, I can never quit it Holla back if you win it On that 557 557 557 in the morning 557 557 557 in the morning Look, I be on my grind Ain't worried about what's behind Yesterday I took an L Small thing to a giant Lay back and recline Ain't the way I was designed Still running through the digits To infinity and beyond So I'm out here working Enemy be lurking But the Lord got me Covered like a rocket turpin Feet planted on the mound Trying to dodge a serpent While I ride through the city With my partner Irving And I wake up in the morning Like it's the first of the month Them harmonies inside my bones But I'm far from a thug Put my hands to the plow Every day is a month I said alarm clock Bring your boys Time to get up 
557 on a narrow path to heaven Trying to make the bread leaven What you know about that? Gotta go and get it Gotta stay fully committed Homie, I can never quit it Holla back if you win it On that 557 557 in the morning 557 557 557 in the morning 557 now you can look me in my eyes, you can tell what I'm really on Leaving legacies, not just trying to get a million Rappers get a check, get a chain to get they chili on And run their Instagram and flex like they got a million You living backwards, in the wrong patterns So bad you gotta go and face the mirror backwards You living that facade to the day they pull your card Cause you was fantasy balling and you forgot the password Wake up Mr. Sinning, Mr. Sinning Please get up and start planning Don't you take this day for granted I'm the ruler of the planets Every star and every granite I gave you you the gift of art, now go ahead and be a canvas. You could be a dreamer, but don't live up in that mattress. Take the gift of God and go and spread it around the atlas. Live out that resolution way before that ball drop. And don't ever hesitate to set that alarm clock to that. 557 on a narrow path to heaven. Trying to make the bread leaven. What you know about that? Gotta go and get it. Gotta stay fully committed. Homie, I can never quit it. Holla back if you with it on that 557. 557 Another flow from the 203 uh-huh. You don't know me, I got vision from the smooth OGs Come Told on. me get a meal like Burger King Can I get your big order? Rhymes so dirty like taking showers and flat water I wish Aaliyah never died in that plane Her beautiful voice and her smile had me driving insane Another quote that I was thinking of, the good I am She was a one in a million, yeah, the one not one It's yeah. kinda different how the day the scene is touching the phone uh-huh. Letting everybody in here, we can't love it alone yeah. You at the restaurant, notification And then you texting, is it either me or that? Which one you showing affection? Let me get my balls off and my cell phone suspended Is you paying the bill? Cause I ain't paying attention nah. huh. Riding through Fairview, look through the rear view yeah. I saw an open space, so I know it's a clear view uh-huh. It's early 2000s, listen to D-Block yeah. This made me feel like a king ballin' with D-Vop A couple heads turned, so you know they gon' eavesdrop yeah. It reminiscing over you, listen to Pete Rock yeah. That NY flow, I was in Brooklyn last week Had me rapping, finger sapping, had me running, track me yeah. Couple people know what's up, man, they all know I'm double clutch Had me crowd jumping like they all doing double dutch Well... I know that my God will feed me the honesty on the record As soon as you pop the CD, don't need me a Ferragamo Don't need me the Labarici material looking regular See how I rock it easy, huh? What's it gonna take to get your attention? What's it gonna take to see Shawan all of your mentions? Hold up do I gotta put my life on the line? Make your heart melt like seeing the ice in the shine. Cause I ain't little Yachty and I ain't little Uzi. Nah. I came from T.I., Young Jeezy, and Lil Boozy. Come on. Lauren Hill, Jay-Z, DMX, and the Nas. Yep. I need to pick a shot, they listen to other bars. Uh-huh. So many uh-huh. inspiration, I'm mixing in the collage. Yep. But I don't want you thinking this setup was a mirage. Uh-huh. These other little haters, they pulling up with the skies. Nah. Getting rubbed the wrong way, like a massage. Huh? <laughs> yeah, it's heaven sent. Yeah. I got a heaven's gift. Yes. Angel singing, I can take you on a heaven's Trip, trip.
Singing off the record like I had a side note. Yeah, yeah. Singing off the record like I spin the vinyl. Yeah, yeah. I know the streets yeah. is calling like I hear the sirens. <laughs> so inside, like I know that other job is hiring. You could throw the funk flex bomb in the middle. Unprofessional, like throwing an F bomb in a red OC. They don't understand how a normal guy from Connecticut can rap like cold cuts. Cheese, tomatoes, lettuce with the can on the side. side. The brand on the side. side. Roller coaster flow, keep your hands in a ride. True lyrics, baby, I be dying if I bluff. All I needed was a lady that's a diamond in the rough. Loving God is the motor we supplying is enough. Getting married, so you know I put the iron on the touch. This side, you in a freestyle. Yeah. Be committed with the groove, let me read the vows. Uh. It's kind of odd when you start, let me even out. Yeah. A playmaker in the making, I can see the route. Maybe this is crazy how I'm spitting. Maybe this is crazy how I'm gifted. Baby, you can tell me what's the difference. How they never knew that I'm a Christian. Rock a rock a rock out. But we don't do new bros They ones right now All I got is me in the battle It's like as long as you got us Fighting the fights now Hey, Graham's told me Ain't nobody in the world I can know me And not everyone you dapping up Is your homie So I keep the grass slow For the snakes in my way Homie looking at the soul like OMG I know everything can find this guy G.O.D Summertime drinking coke We don't do Pepsi Everybody pick the kid They like who that be I'm like I'm the kind of guy Get a step no hey, I'm the kind of guy Get a no sneak no I'm the kind of guy That don't worry about a thing Put some haters to the side That don't know me but everybody want a piece of pie, ayy, look, I'm the kind of guy that is laughing, I look him in the face and I tell him bye-bye. They telling me to stop, said I'm already going, four wheels drop top, said I'm already rolling, I've been on my way, homie, I'm just trying to stay focused, cause everywhere I go, I just know that I'm chosen, ayy. They telling me to stop, said I'm already going, already going. Four wheels drop top, said I'm already rolling. I've been on my way, yeah. Homie, I'm just trying to stay focused. Just everywhere I go, I just know that I'm chosen. Everywhere I go, everywhere, everywhere I go. Everywhere I go, everywhere, everywhere I go. 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 Everyw
Opposition, but it's switch, switch, switch. I know you seen them do it, but not like this. Money make you war it, break you. Take the game before it take you low fi Cause that's what I made to be I cannot focus, man, I got the ADD I'm getting bigger, just look how she played at me uh, Don't get lost in the sauce Take that from a veteran Like a doorbell when the Spanish home is on everything uh. 
Trapper Juice? Surface, I saw me. I'm drinking juice and I'm eating bread because it tastes good. I want more, please. I'm about it. About it. Stomach is rubbling, sitting in the surface. I'm waiting to struggle. I'm trying to focus close to the end of my hunger. It's doubling. I can't help it. When I get to the full, man, you know I'm selfish. I'm sorry. Let's switch the topic. Sick with the bars. I'm coughing chocolate. Jesus Christ is that main dude. Forget the chains, boy. Forget the shoes. I'm getting hit and I might bruise, but I'll heal up. Drinking that rapper juice. Now listen, homie. You tryna beat me, don't bother. God is greater than the both of us, so why the hashtag to that water? That's real talk, I'll never land. I'll rise from below paradise. Evangelizing to the crowd, I see that I'm rolling out like a paradise. Ooh. I enter the world looking for ways to be hurt. I'm in and out of it, I'm looking above it. They see what I'm doing, they think it's absurd. I don't need much. What you got, boy? I got God and truth. Forget alcohol. I'm drinking that rapper juice, I'm out. You heard me say it, I just need that rapper juice. I'm focused on what matters, chasing that the truth. I drink it when I'm nervous, when I'm losing sight. I drink it in the dark when I need the light. You heard me say it, I just need that rapper juice. I'm focused on what matters, chasing that the truth. I don't need much, I don't need much, I don't need much, but I just need that rapper juice. We hope you enjoyed the music mix. Now we have a gospel message by Pastor Merritt Robinson. Here we're in Revelation chapter 6, and we're going to look at verses 9 through 17. And starting out at verse 9, it indicates this. And when he, speaking of Jesus, opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slaughtered for the word of God and for the testimony they had given. They cried out with a loud voice, Sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long will it be before you judge and avenge our blood on the inhabitants of the earth? Now, previously, as we've gone through Revelation chapter 6, We've seen as Jesus unleashes, unleashes or opens up the seals, the first four seals, there were horses that went out and these horses went out and they are fulfilling the judgment of God upon the earth. But now we have a transition here. Now we are going from these four horsemen of the so-called apocalypse. And now we get to the point at verse nine where Jesus, the slain lamb, unopens or opens up the fifth seal. And at this point, there is this altar and there are souls that are found under the altar who have been slaughtered. Let me stop here. 
Now, from an Old Testament standpoint, when we think about the altar, there's two things that we should think about. The very first thing is the altar of uh, burnt offerings. Remember in the Old Testament time frame, especially when the tabernacle was built, there was this wall that was built. And then within the wall was the tabernacle, the place where God was housed or resided. But when you first entered into the tabernacle, the very first thing that you would see was this altar for burnt offerings. And so the people of Israel, what they would do is they would bring a lamb, a goat, a turtle, turtle dove, an animal without spot or blemish. It would be presented to the uh, high priest. The high priest would analyze and examine this animal to see if it was truly without spot or blemish. And if it was without spot or blemish, it would be sacrificed and then placed on the altar and burned. And it was an offering unto the Lord. And so that's the very first altar that we should think about. But then there's a second altar in the, um, in the temple or in the tabernacle, there was this tent and it was divided into two compartments. The very first compartment when you entered into this tent was called the holy place. And then the second uh, portion of it was the holy of holies. That's actually where the Shekinah glory of God resided. Well, when you walked into the holy place, you would see this altar of incense. And upon the altar of incense, there would be this rising smoke. And it spoke of the prayers of the people that were ascending up to God. Well, this altar where these souls have been slaughtered most likely represents the altar of incense. This place that was found in the holy place, it was representative of the prayers of the saints, which would rise up to God. These individuals that we see here in verses nine through 10, they have been crucified, not crucified, but they have been martyred. They have been killed because of their faith in Jesus Christ. And so one of the things that it says at verse 10 is this, that they cry out with a loud voice, Lord, holy and true. How long will it be before you judge and avenge our blood? In essence, they are praying unto the Lord and they're asking him, when will you bring about judgment? Oftentimes the church throughout the centuries has stated we are holy, we are righteous, and we want to see the reign of God fulfilled in our lifetime. But Lord, when will that happen? When will it occur? Oftentimes, that's the prayer of folks is, Lord, bring about your judgment. It's interesting that we see in Second uh, Peter, people come to Peter and Peter is realizing this is happening. People are saying, you keep speaking of the return of Jesus Christ. But things have occurred and happened year after year after year after year. When is the return of Christ going to happen? And Peter says, the Lord is not slack concerning his promises. He is not slack. It will occur in due time. 
but God has an appointed time. There's an appointed time that God is waiting for. He's allowing his grace and mercy so that people, first and foremost, might turn to Christ. They might turn to him so that they might be forgiven of their sins, so they might be saved from the wrath of God. He's allowing that time to happen, but there is going to come a time where judgment is going to be found. And so we have these individuals, these uh, souls who are under the altar and they're saying, Lord, how long, how long will it be before you fulfill your judgment? These individuals are looking for avengement. And it seems that this judgment is going forth. It's starting to happen with the four horsemen of the so-called apocalypse. But there's a desire from these individuals to know specifics regarding judgment, regarding the time. Well, the Bible indicates this, that no man knows the day or the hour. Not even the son knows the day or the hour. Only the father knows this. And so God, who is holy and true, he will judge the unrighteous in a holy and right manner when he deems it appropriate. Now, I know a lot of people want to rush this judgment. They want to see, you know, Maranatha, come now, Lord, come quickly. And yes, I think we should all be praying that the Lord would come quickly. But here's the other thing I would say. I want to see folks redeemed. I want to see people transformed. I want to see people saved from their sins. You think about our, for example, family members and friends that you have, that you know of, that you're close with. I'm sure that you would not want to see them live all of their lives and not turn unto Christ and be separated from God for eternity. I know there's family members that I have that I want to see them changed and transformed so that they might truly come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. And so even though it's, man, Lord, come now, Lord, in your due season, so that folks might be redeemed, so that they might be forgiven of their sins. And so we have these souls who are under the altar. They're praying unto the Lord. They're crying out to him. A judge us, or I'm sorry, judge and avenge our blood, but it is coming in due season. Verse 11, and they were given a white robe and they were told to rest a little longer until the number would be complete, both of their fellow servants and, and of their brothers and sisters who were soon to be killed as they themselves had been killed. So these martyrs, again, they were told, be patient. When it says rest a little longer, literally it's saying be patient until the fulfillment of martyrs had been reached. Now, here's a question that I had. Why would God allow more of his saints to go through martyrdom? And the answer I have is, I don't know. I don't know why God delays his coming. I don't know why God allows folks to be martyred, to be killed for their faith. I don't know. But this is the thing that I do know and realize that God's will is realized through trial and tribulation. Even with the killing of the innocent, God's will is being fulfilled. Think about Jesus Christ, the slain lamb who was without spot, without blemish, who was pure. He died 
for the sins of humanity. So even when it comes to death and even death of the innocent, God's fulfillment of his will is being realized. But then as we get to verse 12, we're going to see the fulfillment of the day of the Lord. In verse 12, it says this. And when he opened up the sixth seal, I looked and there came a great earthquake. The sun became black as sackcloth. The full moon became like blood. The stars of the sky fell to the earth as the fig tree drops his winter fruit when shaken by a gale. The sky vanished like a scroll rolling itself up and every mountain and island was removed from its place. At this point, as Jesus opens up the sixth seal, there's this cataclysmic event that will happen. The entire universe will be affected and the solar system and the earth will undergo a dramatic change. I think back in Genesis chapter one, remember in Genesis, we see the creation of the heavens and the earth. And at each point, God says, it is good. It is good. And it is good. But because of the sinfulness of humanity, all of his creation will undergo judgment. And we look here at this point that the earth and the sun, the moon, the stars, they are falling away under this judgment of God. Well, here's the thing that we should realize. This judgment that is spoken of is something that is seen throughout the pages of Scripture. In 2 Peter chapter 3, the Apostle Peter says this, You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. Peter even spoke about the destruction of the heavens and the earth. But in Revelation chapter 21, we see that even with the death or the destruction of the heavens and the earth, as we know it, God is doing what he is redeeming. See, the whole plan of God is to redeem. Think about the, 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 the plan of God. God created. And then we have what? The fall of humanity. After the fall of humanity, we have the redemption of all. Remember one of my professors at Fuller Theological Seminary, he used to say this, that God desires to redeem all of creation. He wants to redeem every aspect of creation because when he created it, he created it what? Good. Again, in Genesis, it says all that he created was good. But then with man's sinfulness and the fall of humanity, it impacted every aspect of creation, everything. And so God's whole desire is to redeem it and to bring it back into its original state. And so God says, I will, in essence, destroy all that was previous and I will make a new heavens and a new earth. In Revelation 21, John says this, and then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. The first heaven and the first earth passed away and the sea was no more. See, God wants to redeem us. That's his whole goal. See, we are in our sins, but for those who have been found faithful, those who have submitted their lives unto Jesus, excuse me, Jesus Christ, 
He says that you will be redeemed so that you might be in right relationship with the father. And the other thing is this, the whole goal is not necessarily heaven. I've been speaking about heaven quite a bit. Yes, those who have died, they are found in the abode of God, heaven. But the ultimate goal is this, resurrection. Resurrection is the final goal so that we might be resurrected in a new body. Just as Jesus died, was in the burial ground for three days, but then he what? He resurrected. The whole goal is that we would be resurrected new and that we would be in the final state so that we could fulfill the will of God. And so the day of the Lord, as John is looking at this apocalyptic vision, he is seeing this cataclysmic event. It's the judgment of God. But then he goes on to say this at verse 15. And then the kings of the earth and the magnates and the generals and the rich and the powerful and everyone, slave and free, what did they do? They hid in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains, calling to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of the one seated on the throne and from the wrath of the lamb. For the day, great day of their wrath has come and who is able to stand? The unrighteous here are trying to hide from the wrath and judgment of God, but none will be able to hide. None will be able to withstand God's judgment. One day it will come quickly and no one will be able to escape or withstand God's judgment. Note what John says here, right at verse 15, the kings of the earth. And when I think of a king, I think of someone who is magnificent, someone who is grand. A magnate is someone who is influential. Generals are those who are high ranking within the military. The rich and the powerful. See, none of these individuals will be able to withstand or escape God's judgment. Oftentimes, we think that you know the rich and the powerful, those who are influential, those who are high ranking, they have the best of all the world has to offer. Not necessarily. See, those who have the best are those who are found in Christ. Those are the ones who have the best. Remember, um, one of my friends, uh, former uh, a pastor friend of mine, he used to say the best place that we can find ourselves is within the will of God. That's the very best place that we can find ourselves. Not necessarily seeking fame or grandeur or influence or being rich or being powerful, but it's being found within the will of God. These individuals here at verse 15, it is obvious that they are outside the will of God. And even though they have achieved greatness, judgment is going to fall upon them. And so note what it says at verse 16. They're saying, fall on us and hide us from the face of the one seated on the throne and from the wrath of the lamb. Hide us from God the Father. Hide us from the lamb who is unleashing the judgment upon the earth as he opens up these seals off of the scroll. Verse 17, 
for the great day of their wrath has come and who is able to stand it? See, this judgment is coming. Judgment is coming. And remember, the apostles, they prayed, teach us how to pray. And Jesus said, you should, as you pray, you should pray these things. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. See, God's will is going to be done. See, he reigns and rules on in heaven, but his will on earth is going to be accomplished. And so these individuals, they are facing the judgment of God. But here's the one thing I would indicate is this, that we don't have to face judgment. Again, that's why he sent his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the spotless, blameless lamb that was slain for our sins so that we might be forgiven. He is our mediator. He is the one who sits at the right hand of God, the father who makes intercession for us all. He is the one who died so that we would not have to face this type of judgment. But it's like this old pastor used to say, this old Baptist pastor in the uh, in the South, when I used to go to church uh, down in Houston, he used to say this, it is ours to offer and it's yours to accept or reject. The father is saying the same thing. It, I am offering you life, but you get to choose. What does Deuteronomy said? I set before you life and death, blessings and cursings. You get to choose. God is setting that, that offering before us. I pray that we would choose life. And with life, that means that we submit our lives unto the Lord, that we walk in a manner that is glorifying to him, that we are asking to be filled with the spirit of God so that we can truly walk in a manner and represent him well. Greg Kokel talks about being a great ambassador or a good ambassador, that we would truly be an ambassador for the Lord Jesus Christ. That's my will. That's, that's my goal. How about you guys? Let's pray. Yes, sir. Yes, sis. If you can hear through hip hop, then hear this. Here it is, fresh off the presses, here to lift souls and clear all depression. Cause I know what it's like when the sun's all shining, but your soul feels night. Feels like you're caught under gloom's dark presence with a little light shining like the moon's sharp crescent. How many days gone by when I said I was going to win and I ain't even try? I wake up at half court, the day is half gone, time left on the board is mad short. Rushing my shots, I hurry out the door, I don't pray, I don't take my worries to the Lord. How much time does it take to run the floor? Welcome to the Infinite Flow Sports segment. Today I want to talk about something that's a little bit dated. I want to talk about Duke University and the lacrosse team from 2006, so a little over 10 years ago. And the reason I want to talk about it is there's some things that, uh, as I was watching a 30 for 30 special about that particular team recently, that I think are so important and critical even today, so 10 plus years Later, I think it's critical today for young folks, whether you're an athlete, a student, um, whatever the situation, the circumstance that you find yourself. I think there's some things that uh, from this 30 for 30 special that I saw that are critical and important in regards to how you carry yourself and conduct yourself. 
for those who don't know the situation or maybe don't maybe are not familiar, I should say, with the situation, let me give a kind of a brief recap. So Duke University, first and foremost, Duke, uh, from a higher education standpoint, one of the best universities here in the United States uh, from an acad- I'm sorry, from an athletic standpoint, um, it is seen as one of those kind of pinnacle Mount Rushmore uh, type of athletic programs. And especially when you talk about basketball with with uh, Mike Krzyzewski and the success of the basketball program. So it's it's a high profile institution from an academic standpoint and athletic standpoint. Um, it's held at uh, at a level at that people um, want to knock off the very top. So they are seen as the echelon or one of the echelon schools within the country. Well, back in 2006, the lacrosse team, which was predominantly white, uh, was very successful. Um, they actually made it to the NCAA final game and lost um, in the championship game. But very well-respected, highly touted team. Well, this team that was, again, predominantly made up of white males um, was a team that many folks thought that they got away with many things. Um, you know, you, you, today in today's culture, you hear about white privilege, but there were many folks who uh, were on the campus and even outside the campus looked at them as these privileged white young kids who get to do whatever they want and say whatever they want. And, and, you know, they uh, have all of these things that are provided them that maybe others don't have, uh, you know, available to them. And so there was a little bit of haterade there, but the, uh, the team back in 2006 decided that they wanted to have a party and invite strippers to this party. And so there was a house that was in close proximity to the university where some of the guys lived. And it almost served as like a fraternity house. And so this one night they have a party and they invite two strippers. One of the young ladies that was there was a black female. And I don't know all the details in regards to if she was inebriated, if she was high on something or whatever the situation was. But she came. And they said that they would pay her a certain amount. But something happened where she decided that she was going to leave early. And so the guys got upset about not getting their money's worth. Well, at the end of the day, what happened is this young lady claimed that certain men on the lacrosse team assaulted her sexually. And so a case was opened up. Um, The district attorney's office in Durham um, started to investigate and put things together to determine what happened. Ultimately, what what happened was this. The majority of the team was cleared of any wrongdoing, but three guys were actually accused and they were tried for sexual assault. Or rape. Now, what's so sad about this story is this. First and foremost, when you when you think about young people and making decisions, I was listen, I was talking to a friend um, yesterday about this, 
And I always say this, that one bad decision can alter your destiny. Also say this, that when you sin, you don't just affect yourself, but you affect everybody around you, everyone who is associated with you. My friend that I was talking to, and this is a guy that I played football with at Rice University, he, he said this, oftentimes people say, oh, I just made a mistake. No, he goes, no, you didn't make a mistake. He goes, a mistake is, you know, when you're on a, you're taking a test and you miss a problem and you miss one portion of it. He goes, that's a mistake. He goes, no, oftentimes what people do are make bad choices. And that is oh so true. And in this situation, the Duke lacrosse players back in 2006, they made a bad choice having this party and inviting strippers. But there's another person who made a bad choice as well. It was the young lady, the young lady who went stripping. She made a bad choice as well. And so we have we have two parties who have made terrible choices. But this young lady, she kind of compounded the situation as well because she accused three men who, by the way, were found innocent based on all of the information that was provided. But this young lady doubled down and said that these individuals or these three individuals raped her. And so she made another serious mistake. And so for all of the young people out there, I just want you to to take notice of this. Oftentimes when we're young, we make bad decisions. We think irrationally. We don't think out all of the consequences of our actions and how we handle ourselves and the, and the things that we say and do. We don't think about how important it is to walk. And I talk about this to my own children, walk in a manner that is worthy of the gospel. I always, t- we, and sorry, I'm preaching here, but the other thing is we, me and my wife always say, do not be weary in doing what is right. And so there are things that are right and wrong. I think for the most part, most individuals can tell you this is right. This is wrong. Well, in this situation, these young men who are for the most part, smart, intelligent, um, I would say the majority of them are probably good young men, but they did not think through. They didn't think about righteousness. They didn't think about doing what, uh, what is right overall, but the young lady in the same light did not think about what was right. And so we have a situation where these young individuals made bad decision, decisions, bad choices, which affected them at that point and are still affecting them 11 years later. But there's another group that I think is even worse than the the soc- I'm sorry the lacrosse players and this young lady and it was the justice system within Durham because this is what happened there was a gentleman whose name was Mike Nafong or Nifong I believe that's how he pronounces it who was the district attorney who had information indicating that none of the players that were there had any DNA 
on this lady, in this lady. There was nothing that could associate them with raping her. And he knew it. And yet he did not. He would not willingly tell that he had that information. He kept that information for over a year. And he allowed three innocent young men to be not only accused, but charged with rape. And he knew it. He knew that they were innocent because the the uh, forensic scientists even told him there's nothing that proves that they did anything to this young lady. There's no DNA at all that ties them to this person. But here's the thing. This guy was up for reelection. The majority, or I wouldn't say the majority, but 40% of the folks in Durham are African-American. And so what was he doing? He was looking to get the vote of the blacks or African-Americans in Durham. And by, by charging this, the kind of the elite white privileged young men at Duke, he could draw the African-Americans to his side so that he could win a race for district attorney. That's ultimately why he did it. And so he won his race. But then as the case started to go through and these young men who parents got lawyers who were very good, all of the case started to unravel. And it's kind of as my wife says, what is done in darkness shall come out in the light. And ultimately, one of the lawyers read up on DNA for a week, and then he got the DNA expert on the stand to admit that none of the players' DNA was on or in this young girl. Also, he got the uh, this forensic expert to also acknowledge that he had told the DA Nifong, that their DNA wasn't there, that there was nothing that would tie them there. And yet they kept it a secret so that they could proceed on knowing that these young men were innocent. How evil and unrighteous is that? And oftentimes people want to are, are baffled at why people do not trust the legal system. Why don't we trust, you know, um, uh, uh, attorneys? Why don't we uh, trust district attorneys? Why don't we trust police officers? By the way, there were two police officers or one, I should say, who um, indicated previously when he interviewed the young lady, the young lady that um she really didn't have any really good perspective on who raped her. But then in his own private notes, he had specific um, characteristics, identification of individuals. And she said, and he said, oh, yes, yeah, she told me about these individuals. And it was exactly like the three young men that they indicted. How do, how in one instance does does she not or is she not capable of telling you what they look like, what their build is? And then all of a sudden, based on your notes, she's able to determine all of that information. And so 
we see the justice system doing illegal, unrighteous things. And by the way, that that DA, Mike Nifong, he was removed from the district attorney's office. He was ultimately disbarred and jailed because he knew. And I, as I looked at this 30 for 30 special, I thought to myself, oh, my God, think how often that happens to so many people who are unable to secure you know, defense attorneys like these three young men because they had resources. But think about all of those individuals who have no resources. You know, they just get a public defender who says, hey, take take the plea, take the deal so that I can move on. And so you wonder why people do not trust the justice system. Here's a perfect example why. But here's the thing that I, I again, I want to state and restate is that, man, when you do things that are unrighteous, first and foremost, it, it never stays concealed in darkness. Ultimately, it's going to be revealed. The truth is always revealed. But the second thing is this, and again, I'm directing this to my young people. Folks, think about what it is you're doing before you do it. Use some critical thinking skills and say, does this make sense? Is this going to be beneficial? What happens if I do what I'm proceeding to do? Are there any ramifications? Don't just run willy-nilly into it, but think seriously about what am I doing? Because here's the thing. Our sin when we do it, does not just impact us, it impacts everyone around us. And you might think, I'm only hurting myself. But no, you could be hurting a lot of folks and it just cascades down the line. So I encourage you, do the right thing. Thank you for listening to this episode of our podcast. We will have new episodes every two weeks, so come back and join us for the Infinite Flow Show, where hip-hop, the gospel, and sports intersect.